Hello, hello, hello. Sammy here from the Gateway team. Just letting you know how much we all appreciate your love and support over the last few seasons of Gateway. And just letting you know that you can help us by heading to our newly established Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash gateway to anime. Every little bit helps and we really appreciate any love and support that you can find. You can also, of course, find us on all social media platforms if you search Gateway to Anime. And please go and check out our website at www.gatewaytoanime.com. If you have the time to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, once again, such a massive help. Something feels like doesn't help, but helps us massively. So if you have the time, please do. Thanks again for your love and support. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Gateway to Anime. How are y'all? What's going on? Charlie, you are conspicuously absent again. What's up? Oh, sorry. I honestly just kind of panicked. She <laughs> and I, I was had every like I've been doing it all season. You all have. season. You've been it's very been good, like three actually. episodes. All season, okay? All season long. No, no, I, I genuinely panicked and was thinking about something else, which I'll talk about later. Okay. So that was cryptic and weird. <laughs> Very cryptic I and weird. I just forget it's happening until it's happening. So I don't start at the beginning. I come in like maybe two syllables late and I'm like... Ugh. Yeah, we should maybe try and do like a conscious round next time. Ooh. Like we're sad like <laughs> like entrance. A Mexican wave. Yeah. A chamasse. Yeah, sounds good. A chamasse wave. Chamasse wave. <laughs> Graham, how are you, mate? Good, man. Welcome back. Yeah. Good to have you. I'm glad to be here for the 69th time. <laughs> you must yeah. be the most reoccurring guest by now. I'm approaching Brett. Yeah, I'm Brett's substitute. Yeah. Um, well, he's off. Demon Slayer, Soul Slayer. What are they called? <laughs> substitute Soul Reaper. Sim- substitute Shinigami, yes. Yeah, that's my role. <laughs> that's you. That's you. Keep it on brand. I like how we went through three different <laughs> I remember what it was called. It. We're like, Soul, what? Soul Demon Slayer. Soul Eater. God Reaper. Eater. Soul man. Yeah. We together. Soul man. Ah! <laughs> well, this has started off jovial. God, look, we've gone, gotten off track already and we have a lot to get through. So let me get this on track. And we are here today to talk about. Soul anime. No, Sorry. <laughs> Demon soul souls in anime. Soul reapers. No, no. Go, go, go. So we are here to talk about how an anime is made and also talking about the big production anime houses. So we have a lot to get through because this is a whole thing. And let me say, I'm really excited. This I'm excited. Um, I did on. say to Sam before we started, I was looking at him, I was like, we don't want to, you know, Sam, I was like, how many notes have you got? And it's just, you know, mm. Sam loves a good research. I feel like he he pitched this episode <laughs> yeah, he so he could get his real research flex on. So I, for the first time in my life, decided to, you know, be competitive and also research. So um, oh, uh, we got some on. research coming at you. We got some research coming at you, and it'll be done entertainingly. Don't worry. Yeah, no, we'll make it as uh, quick as possible. But it's actually it is pretty interesting. Anyway, I'm excited about it too. Graham, how are you feeling? My research is small and it doesn't really. What are those Dragon Ball scanners where they see people's power levels? <laughs> <laughs> Mine's like Yamcha. It's not over nine thousand. Robin said. It's not. 
It's 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 <laughs> not even a, it's not even a blip. <laughs> you yamcha man. Yamcha. What? He dies at the first fight every time. <laughs> is that yeah? He is. The That's pits. a big burn to That's be a, like to be yamcha. I burned myself. And he's he's obviously just a bad version, like a design of Goku. Just yeah. Like a shitty like design. He just has of him scars too. and. It's terrible. Do you ever wonder if you're a protagonist or a side character? Oh look, oh, I'm such a side character. <laughs> That's too existential. I'm like Choji in Naruto. I'm just the guy who shows up and eats and. Gets- <laughs> Hey, I will have you know that I rewatched it recently and when Shoji fought in the Sasuke retri- retrieval, retrieval, sorry, retrival, Sasuke arc. retrieval arc, um, that bit where, where Choji fights that powerful guy and they have this whole moment where they both eat the things, they get giant oh, and yeah. they're like, it's truly moving and I shed a tear. So all I'll say is that rewatch Naruto just because um, Shoji is really underrated. So Graham, I appreciate you. Some, someday, <laughs> throw it out a line, I'm going to get bigger and win a fight. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Oh. We have. All right. So. Am I? Oh, no, I don't know what I am. So I'm a female, so it's probably not good. Um, it's probably not, not a very well fleshed out. That's uh, a real strong Sakura energy coming up. Oh, world, so. good. <laughs> Thank God. Someone has to. Can't wait for my three-dimensional character. Oh, wait. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. We love anime. All right. Now let's talk about how it's made and what the processes are. And first of all, just going to throw a couple of sort of dot points at everyone just to bring you in before I start to get in depth. So in 2019, it was estimated that the anime industry was worth approximately $24 billion. So it is blowing up and it's only getting bigger, especially as the West and China start to consume more and more of its content. So if you're a top senior animator, you earn around $1,400 to $3,800 a month. That's the top. That's for the big boys. Okay, then we'll get into this later. Don't worry. So the lower rung animators, who we'll talk about soon, they do the grueling piecework for as little as 200 bucks a month. Okay, so just to start that off, so the median annual earnings for key illustrators, who are the top guys and top line talent in the industry, increased to about $36,000 a year in 2019, up from 29000 in 2015. Not great. Are we talking US? Yeah. That's right, US. Okay. Yeah. So Australia would be like 42 around there. Like, yeah. Still yeah, not great. Yeah. No, it's, oh, no, it's, it's awful anyway. considering that. And also the work, if you can factor in how many hours it is as it's well. Insane. And how much work. It's insane. Grueling, yeah. $300 yeah. for in-between animators. Yeah. So the people that do the, the bulk of the work. Correct. And we'll get to that shortly. Also, it's not like Japan's a cheap place to live either. No, Tokyo in particular is not. But also just for to reference sake, animators in the US on average earn about $75,000 a year. And that's with the, t- and the top tier guys pulling in six figures easily. If you're, you know, doing Castlevania or you're doing Rick and Morty or The Simpsons or whatever, that's your level as an animator in the US. So quite a big difference. Also completely different style. Like those are all different styles of animation entirely, whereas hand drawn oh, yeah. like two. Yeah. So I feel like, oh God, it's actually really bad. It's bad. It's bad. It's about to get worse. I'll tell you all about it. But um, okay, wait, Sam. <laughs> Gateway to hating what you love. <laughs> so also just just another little dot point. So Sony purchased Crunchyroll from AT and T for one point two billion dollars just in two thousand nineteen. It's a bit of a steal. A bit of a steal. All I'm saying is there's a lot of money coming in to the anime industry, right? Okay, and this is what's kind of interesting about it. But the problem is there is currently a big shortage of animators in Japan, and mostly it's due to the very weird system and the oppressive working conditions for which most of them are subjected. So there are nearly 200 animated TV series alone which are being made in Japan each year. The industry relies upon passionate freelancers to fill the gaps and they're what they call the in-between animators. They earn about two bucks a drawing uh, with each drawing taking at least an hour on average due to the meticulous nature of the anime industry. So these people are called 
Dogermen, and they are the in-between animators. So you get the Gogermen, who are the top guys. So they're the, they're the really interesting guys who come in, or the most experienced and I suppose talented guys who come in and draw the key frames. So they draw like the beautiful, amazing stuff that we see, and they are earning reasonable money. Still not good, but earning decent money. However, it's the guys who come in in between who make it move, and they're the ones who are earning like twelve grand a year. It's bad. And do you kind of like in the way that it would work, you would traditionally start there and then work your way up to the system? Or do, you, or do you specialize in that the whole time? Well, it's, it's a bit like being a swing in a musical or something where like once you get known as being good as a in-between man, they keep using you for it. And of course, yes, the idea is that you will move up and you'll become a key animator. For how long are you willing to put up with 12 grand a year for fucking 80 to 150 hour weeks being shit on by everybody. So it's a really interesting problem which is happening in the anime industry. There but might also be quite different skill sets. Also, you said swing in musical theatre like that's a really normal profession yeah, sorry, that I everyone like, knows oh, yeah. what that is. Yeah, I nodded away No one that. knows what this is except for you Okay, because you did it. Okay, a swing in musical theatre, side note, is basically you get understudies. So if the lead is unwell, the understudy will step in and play the lead and the understudy usually has a role as a member of the ensemble or the chorus in the show. The swing's job is to then swing in for that understudy. So basically the swings are the understudies' understudies and they have to learn almost every single ensemble role in the show and step in for anyone when they move up into the main role. So it's it's a hell of a job, hell of a job. But, and you yeah. learn, it's like learning different tracks. It's called tracks. Called? Every ensemble member has a track and you must learn their track and step into it when needed. There are onstage swings and if you're an onstage swing, essentially you just your role is superfluous and you can just be gone and it won't affect the show at all. Or you're an offstage swing who you literally just sit around waiting for someone to go on and you step into one of the nine different tracks that you could be learn, having learnt. It's actually crazy. I always think about if people arrive and just see it like a list, like printed out, like you're doing this track today and you're like, oh good, I haven't thought about that in months, but here I'm doing now. It's a hell of a thing. It's like a hell it's, of a thing. It, so it's a really, as you're saying though, it's a really specific skill set similar to this. Correct. So it's like people, you're like kind of invaluable, but you're not getting treated Right. It's easy exactly. to more skills to do that kind of thing. Exactly right. The interesting about you usually start off as a swing. I was a swing when I first started musical theater. And the problem is that if you get known as a good swing, you're kept getting cast as a swing because they're hard to find. Mm. Kind of the same thing with Dogerman as well, because once you get good and recognized as such, they're going to keep using you and you might not ever get to that high level. So that's kind of how it works. So yeah. And the thing is money has increased. Like profits are coming in higher than ever before in the anime industry. Problem is they're all flowing in one direction, up, because capitalism. So. <laughs> and we're going to take down the system. Tonight. <laughs> it's like a 60 minutes expose right now. Oh all right. God. So let's talk about just how oppressive these working conditions tend to be and how the scheduling works. So Madhouse, who are a very, 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 very famous anime house, were accused of violating labor codes back when an employee was working around 400 hours per month and went 37 days without taking a single day off. A male animator's 2014 suicide was classified as a work-related incident after investigators found that he had worked more than 600 hours in a month leading up to his death. There are 168 hours in a week. He worked 150 of them. That's crazy. That's the level of work ethic. And Japan has a very famously insane workplace ethic where like there's this entire thing called kuroshi, and what that actually translates to is worked to death. And it's an entire thing where people literally, they die on the train. They just, bodies give out because they're working too hard. And there's, in fact, there'll be billboards in Tokyo which will say, do you think your husband is susceptible to Kuroshi? And they have Kuroshi 
like help groups and stuff to to deal with widows of people who have worked themselves to death. It's a whole thing. And the workplace culture in Japan, not just in the anime industry, but in general, is crazy. I mean, the attention to detail, all you need to do is watch Jiro Dreams of Sushi, which is a wonderful documentary, Mm. to realize just the level of perfectionism that is strived for by people in Japan. As Dan Carlin says on his wonderful podcast, it's like, you think you might be a good gardener until you go and see a Japanese gardener. Yeah. And then you realize that you don't have an eye for detail at all. <laughs> and it's systemic throughout the culture. Like yeah. if you work an office job, you're expected to stay hours behind. Like you don't have to work. Mm. You just kind of sit around and you seem as more of a team member. It's crazy. If you leave or God forbid you take holidays, you're kind of ostracized within a workplace because I guess it's kind of sort of weakness. Absolutely. Like it shouldn't be. How many different cultures take different stances on that? Because there's a lot of, I'd say, like, there's a lot of industries even within Australia that have a similar kind of thing. Hospitality is one of them. Sort of like you, if you take sick days and you're considered a bad team player, like as in yeah, if you're like yeah, yeah. not coming in, everyone's kind of like, what do you mean you just got the flu? Different with the pandemic, now people can't come in sick and that's mm. like, that was seen as a big deal for hospital being like, oh, no, I have to actually call in sick. (laughs) Like, and yeah, I mean, not it's not the same level. I'm not comparing it, but it is interesting how that's just like kind of pretty rife in the anime industry. The whole world is sort of changing their sort of views towards work. Like lots of European countries are going to a four-day work week. Yeah. Yeah. Doing your maximum is 30 hours a week and you just do that whenever you can. Like it's interesting how coronavirus has changed. Did you read that? Remember reading that Mary's, the, there's a hospitality group in Sydney that are called Mary's and they do burgers and bro food and that kind of thing. And they had an interview and they went viral for all the wrong reasons when they said <laughs> the worst thing to ever yep. happen to the hospitality industry was the term work-life balance. It's ridiculous. Jesus Christ. Right? Just Just good job, can. guys. Can't wait to come work for you. Yeah. <laughs> we can't exploit our workers. Boo. Like, yourself. Your burgers are shit as well. <laughs> This is another aside. Netflix has said that the number of households that watched anime on its streaming service in 2020 increased by over half from 2019. So it is blowing up, this whole thing, by the way. And Netflix will come into this story later. But we were into it before it was cool, Sam, and I just want to really <laughs> We actually discovered out of it. Oh, sorry. Yes. So as we're talking about the <laughs> workload. only two people watching anime back in the day. <laughs> yeah, two of us. So it's the workload on animators is particularly brutal and it's basically illegal. But the government's taken no real action to remedy the situation. And the thing is, there is just a big shortage of animators in Japan right now. And the problem is, is because a lot of the animation houses actually use, employ people as freelancers. They get them in as a freelancer. They're not actually an employee of the production studio, which is a huge problem. And the reason they use them is because they don't need to worry about the labor code. So since freelancers are independent contractors, companies can basically enforce grueling deadlines while saving money. But not providing any benefits to the employee. You know, it's sorry, I'm gonna cut you off. No, no, here, no. But a weird comparison that just popped in my head is the WWE, like yeah. the wrestling, who they yeah. don't have any sort of employees in the performance level. They're all private contractors. Yeah. So they don't have to provide healthcare or leave or that's Uber's whole thing as well. Yeah, yeah. Like gig economy. Like absolutely. You it's, just it's... work three hundred and twenty days of the year and if oh, you get yeah. fucking injured or anything, you you're done. You don't have yeah. to claim any any employees really. No, well gone are the days where you could just go and get a job at like IBM at 20 and retire at 65 and oh, you've bought God. a house and you've had a whole career. Like middle management's been gutted by- oh, I'll be working till I'm 104. <laughs> and I'll probably it's... die at 60. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there's no way I'm living that. Go scram. Like, <laughs> oh, let him just rest in peace. Still working. <laughs> just, <laughs> just wants to buy a house in Sydney. Yeah, that's, that's never going to happen, fool. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's anyway, continue. It's, it's incredibly depressing. <laughs> yeah, and this is just, like, and it's a very, I like things we're trying to, you know, be entertaining with our podcast. We have to, we do want to reiterate the fact that this is like pretty horrific and the work conditions are pretty dire. And the fact of the matter is that no matter how, and Sam's about to get to this, and no matter how popular anime is and how much we're consuming it, it sounds all great. The right people are not making the money from it. That's correct. And that's the problem. Sam's about to explain it <laughs> now. <laughs> Click. Yeah. Well, I mean, also, the problem is anime takes so long to make because obviously, as we said before, the meticulous quality control. One scene generally has about three to four different animators working on it at any given time. Like, that's a whole thing. And that's why it looks so incredible when it works, right? But there's a cost to it, like everything. Everything has a cost. So anime's structural inequalities stem back actually all the way to Osamu Tezuka, the creator of Astro Boy, and basically the god of modern anime. Well, television anime was created essentially by Tezuka. So... Tezuka was responsible for an endless catalogue of innovations and precedents in manga and anime. In the early 60s, networks were very unwilling to take the risk of an animated TV series. Therefore, Tezuka massively undersold his show to get it on air. So Tezuka and the company actually made a loss on Astro Boy, but made up the windfall with toys and figurines and merchandise. This method and scenario has become the norm and the status quo for which the whole industry operates moving forward since then. This is a huge part of the problem. So historically, merchandising creates more revenue than TV or movies, but as the popularity of anime has skyrocketed overseas, anime itself makes up a much larger portion of the revenue. So overseas video alone accounted for about half of global revenue in 2017, yet the tight budgets and unlivable wages remain. When Western companies like Netflix enter the market, as we mentioned before, they get to pay the dirt cheap, long-established Japanese prices. TV stations, merch companies, and foreign streaming services walk away with huge profits, leaving not only individual animators struggling, but the entire studios are left floundering. So you're telling me that it's all Astro Boy's fault? <laughs> well, that's what just, I'm getting from well, this. Well, it's that where it all began. It's just, it was a system, the only way he could get it to work was by basically underselling the shit out of it, making a loss so that he could just get it up. And then all of a sudden it's just like, oh, that's, that's how TV anime is made. Okay, cool. And it's just gone on like that ever since and hasn't really modernized and in I, any way, shape, yeah. or form. That's the major problem. So in 2016, Teikoku Data Book report revealed that revenue is down 40% over 10 years for 230 mainstay Japanese animation studios. There is an urgent need to improve the economic base of animators and radically reform the profit structure of the entire industry. Basically, mandating higher salaries without a greater change in the industry structure would cause most middle to low-scale studios to go bankrupt. The industry would then consolidate into big anime, where a few mega studios produce Hollywood-style hits with mass marketing and generic content tailored to the lowest common denominator. The industry thrives off people's passion and dedication as they put themselves through hell to be involved with very little monetary remuneration. It's a classic pyramid structure. So this is the thing, is that, and I'm about to talk about what a production committee is. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is where almost all the money goes. It's a very strange system. But... Production committees. Many animation studios are cut out of the bonanza by the antiquated production system that directs nearly all industry profits to the so-called production committees. These committees are ad hoc coalitions of toy manufacturers, manga publishers, and other companies that are created to finance each project. They typically pay animation studios a set fee and reserve the royalties for themselves. So whilst the system protects studios from risk of a flop, it also cuts them out of the windfalls created by hits. So rather than negotiate higher fees or profit share with production committees, studios squeeze their animators, lowering costs by hiring them as freelancers, and production costs can then remain low. Studios are typically run by creators who want to make something really good, and they'll try and bite off more than they can chew and be way too ambitious. You know, by the time they're done, they've 
very possibly lost money on the project. Everyone knows it's a problem, but it's so systemic that no one really knows what to do about it. The production committees front the cost, including the cost of having it shown on TV stations and streaming services. Only about half of the overall budget ends up with the animation studio. The rest goes to broadcasters, streaming services, and other contributing companies. Broadcast costs are very high though. And for example, Fullmetal Alchemist had a 6 p.m. time slot on Saturday, which cost around 5.88 million just to get the TV slot. That's really bizarre because like I know in the Western sort of system is studios, well, TV stations will pay for shows and it's normally comes from advertising revenue. But Correct. it seems so production studios in Japan are paying for airtime. Yeah, they have to buy the airtime. Oh, wow. Mm. Which is a really weird system in and of itself. Particularly with streaming and everything like yeah. becoming a different, I might, that might have to literally change because it won't be as. This is true. This is true. So it's, it's in a real state of flux at the moment, but they're holding tight. So the production committees started in movies with Akira and Nausicaa being two early examples. Akira had Kodansha, MBS, Bandai, Hakuhudo, and Toho Laserdisc and Tokyo Movie on its committee. Nausicaa had Tokuma Shoten and Hakudo as its production committee. So the method only started in its current form from TV in 1992 when the irresponsible Captain Taylor, whose committee consisted of TV Satouchi, Big West, and the Tyler Project Committee of Kings Records, VAP, and Media Rings. Afterward, it started to spread after Project Eva in 1995, of course. This was all done so to spread the risk so a production committee can kind of consist of lots of different companies, but as little as two. So essentially they assume all the risk. However, there's so many of them and they're so big that it's a, a calculated risk. You know, even if it does fail, Bandai is not going to go bankrupt. You know what I mean? Like they're fine. So this is sort of how it works. Big, big conglomerates band together to buy the rights from a manga or whatever and then sell it essentially to a production house who then take it on with a lump sum and then they have to make all the budget come from that. It's a really weird fucking system. It's bizarre. So Toei Animation are an exception to the rule as they are one of the few animation houses to be able to lead a production committee. Others are also TMS Entertainment, Piero, Sunrise, Production IG, and Kyoto Animation can all do it on the regular. For most studios, it's an impossible proposition. So there are only a few animation houses big enough to actually be able to be on a production committee or to get shows up themselves. A lot of them are reliant on these big, big companies who basically dictate to them what the fuck they're going to do. That's sort of how it works. So yes, that's how the production committee works. It sort of sounds as antiquated as a lot of like um, recording music contracts and that yes. way that producers would go with record labels and how yeah. that's all become because of streaming and everything. Like I think a lot of people get trapped. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of interesting and in how the system has just changed now because mm. it's just so much easier for people to access things through streaming and you don't need to buy airtime, you don't need to do any of that. I know what I'm saying, but yes, it sounds like that. It's a crazy system. So Sounds that's very, how production committees work. Sort of mafioso, like yeah. you have to come before this committee, the, yeah. the godfathers, and say, please put on my show. Yeah, well, yeah. Or like they and bid. They, Not do sure they bid you. like for, it's similar to how people would bid for like book rights for movies, yeah. that kind of thing. As like companies that just do that. They would do that. Yeah. And cool. they, well, like the production houses would kind of, they, they sort of shot them around to different production houses. Like, all right, who wants to do, for example, season four of Attack on Titan? Who wants it? Who wants it? And yeah. Mappa's like, yeah, we'll do it. Yeah, all right. We'll do that and everything else at the same time. We'll we'll talk about that. And this is an exact (laughs) thing in which animation houses have to do. Because as I said before, unfortunately, it's not a situation where the animation houses can just be like, yo, stop. We don't want to work with the production committees anymore. Let's do it ourselves. Unless you're basically production IG, Sunrise, Piero, TMS, or Kyoto Animation, you're going to go under. Because you're not, it just doesn't work that way. You can't do that. So this is why they're sort of between a rock and a hard place. Everyone knows it's fucked. Do they have any animation studios on OnlyFans? Because I'll ship in some books. <laughs> like, I'll give like five bucks to them. Yeah, man. 
Well, that's why a lot of the anime originals are actually really good to support. So, I'm, Graham, on what you were saying before about like the, I'm just imagining like a Shark Tank style show where people have to pitch. <laughs> they could have pitched their anime to pitch like their anime. the sharks. Like, well, have we got mechas? Has it oh. got titties? Sold. <laughs> Done. Let's, Done. Do a mil- let's do a million of those shows. Absolutely. All right. So now, as I've told you about the production committee and that's sort of how, say, for example, a production committee will buy the manga rights off a mangaka or off a shonen magazine. So mangakas make money. Mangakas do make money. That's correct. But I, yes. I heard that the, the writer from Demon Slayer, I think she only made like 35K. No, uh, I feel like. They actually didn't get anything off. They might not get much from the anime adaptation. They don't make but, anything from the animation. Do oh, they get, yeah. Do they get the merchandising? Depends on the contract. Again, yeah, right. a lot of it A lot of it Fuck, is to do with, and again, the whole manga system is another whole episode that we need to talk about. But, yeah, again, manga cards, manga too. Yeah. Well, manga <laughs> cards are beholden to magazines, right? And, True. And oh, that's, that's that. hectic. And that's another whole thing on top of that. But we're not here to talk about that today. However. And sorry to say about interesting, like uh, hmm. just a fun fact, but the highest wage ever paid to an actor in the history of Hollywood was Jack Nicholson in Batman when he plays Joker, Joker. Yeah. because he negotiated percentage-wise percentage, merch, percentage yeah. wise of merchandising and box office. He got paid not that much to do the actual role and then ended up breaking records. For, I think so, he got paid scale for the role. So yeah. like a few thousand bucks. Per day. Wow. And then walked away with something close to like a hundred million off yeah. the back end. It's like he just knew yeah. that he was dealing in like nineteen eighty nine. Yeah. Holy shit. It's a number one. I think to this day it's still unrivaled like the most amount of money. It's not been paid for a role. Mm. So they stopped negotiating that with people, I think. That they might have been <laughs> like Jack Nicholson got us yeah. again. Like, <laughs> Jack listen Nicholson. Up, listen up, animators, just be Jack Nicholson. Yeah, that's easy. <laughs> Jack, so easy. Man. Jack. <laughs> well, actually, if you remember we talked about Kawa Bebop in that Wantanabe was actually given the chance by Bandai because they wanted to sell space toys. That's mm. how they managed because that was an anime original and they wanted to sell space toys. And, in fact, when they realized he was making this really existential piece, they are like, oh, man, that's not going to sell many fucking space toys to kids. And that's why a subsidiary of, of Bandai had to pick it up to make it made because they were like, yeah, man, this ain't going to make us no money. Stop. Stop this. So, yeah. And that was Sunrise? Correct. Or was it I Sunset? Would some, I sunrise, would have bought yeah. some Cowboy Bebop <laughs> sunrise, sort of. Sunset. Like, you know, the little dog and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have bought some stuff. Totally. But – Cheated. Yeah, that's how it What works. do you mean would have? You still would buy that, right? <laughs> still would, yeah. Like 100%. You still can. The power is with you. I'm going to Google that Doing right, it right now. now. <laughs> <laughs> I've got adult money. I'm going to buy it. <laughs> All right. Now let's actually talk about how an anime gets made now. So we've gone through the production committee situation. They've bought the rights to a manga. They've then sold the rights on to a production house or an animation house, whatever you want to call it. And essentially what happens is they then pay – that animation house, the lump sum, which becomes the budget for them in which to operate, and they get to work to making the anime. So the core staff is arranged by the production house and mostly a director is picked. The director is basically the king of the animation. So when, you, when you're seeing- <laughs> Why have you- why are you like this? He is the king. It's, it's, always, about king. it's always about some king or the undisputed king <laughs> of any. I can't deal. All right. Yes. Sorry, Sam. The undisputed king of the production is the director. That's correct. Everything comes from the director who answers to no one. To the production house. <laughs> so he's not the king. He's not the king at all. Of the actual production. Yes, he is. There are people above him, I call like an executive bullshit. producer. <laughs> God the damn king, it. The shadow king. The shadow king. <laughs> it's like Game of Thrones. It's the power it is. behind the throne. <laughs> yeah, so the core, the core staff is arranged by the production house and they 
pick a director and the director organizes the overall series compositions. So basically how the anime will play out entirely uh, across each episode and over the course of the series. And the director is, as I said, the king or the direct key figure, at least. (laughs) (laughs) So following the early planning sessions, the designs are then created and character designs are obviously an integral part of an anime production. They initially have to choose whether to simplify the manga or the illustration design so that they're suitable for animation, or if it's an anime original, the character designers design the characters from scratch. So the character designers are often continue to advise the animation directors through the course of the show, and that's what would be described as a chief animation director. So once the story, the overall sort of Bible, is written and the designs are mapped out, they move on to making the pilot. And the first step is to write the episode scripts by either one person or by several different writers based on the outlines from the script supervisor. The scripts are reviewed by the director and the producers and potentially the author of the original work. Sometimes the manga cars are actually involved in this. Uh, they're not like brought on as a, as a writer. Sometimes they are. But a lot of the time, they're at least consulted. Often they'll come in just before it's finalized. So then the episode director who's supervised by the overall director, then takes the backbone of the episode and must plan out how it will look on screen. The episode director has the most hands-on job in developing the episode, but the series director has the final say. This stage is expressed as a storyboard, and the storyboard makes the animation processes beginning. So what is storyboarding? I'm sure many of you know, but if you don't, I'll tell you anyway. Often the storyboard is created by the director, and mainly in TV anime, separate storyboarders are actually used to draw them. This is because storyboards usually take about three weeks to do, So art meetings and production meetings are held with the series director and other staff about how the episode should look because the number of drawings available is often fixed for the sake of budget management. So the number of frames is also carefully considered when making the storyboards. The storyboards are roughly drawn and serve as the building blocks of how the episode will play out. Cuts refer to a single shot of the camera and an average TV anime episode will contain 300 cuts. Then we move on to the layout process. The layout process marks the beginning of the art production. Developing a layout is about positioning cells that will be used in the cut and background art that will be needed, giving the definitive blueprint for how the final shot will look. In collaboration with the director, the senior animators draw the layouts and the shots are called about where the cells' characters are going to be situated and the way a cut is going to be framed. Sometimes multiple stages of the storyboard can be expressed on a single layout drawing as long as it's not too confusing. Cells are shaded in warm colors, backgrounds are shaded in cool colors. After being approved by the director, these layouts are then duplicated the king, and sorry. given to <laughs> the king and given to the background department and the key animators. The art director and assistants work on painting the backgrounds based on the rough drawings of, of the layouts while the rest of the production processes continue concurrently. Now the form of each cut has been decided, the positions of characters, the setting, what they're going to do and how the shot is captured, camera angle zooming and panning, then comes the actual animation itself. So in the animation, the majority of frames are still drawn by hand. One of the last mediums to do this. Mm. Even yeah. when you were talking about backgrounds. Yeah. Because I'm in a bit of a Naruto kick right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hence the Choji reference. A lot of those were actually painted with watercolors. Mm. Like, um, yeah. I don't know how it's actually all watercolor paintings. Yeah. Yeah, so it's crazy. It's Yeah, the amount of work going into it. Oh, it's crazy. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. I was actually about to ask Graham his opinion as the resident drawer that we have. The drawer. Oh. I was waiting for the exact moment to bring that back. I was about to be like, a drawer. is the drawer. Is he the king Graham. of drawers? I don't know. <laughs> Fuck. Absolute undisputed king of undisputed drawers. Undisputed king. <laughs> All right, you jerks. So Sorry. <laughs> here we have what the key animators are. Based on the storyboard, the key animators start work. 
creating the animation drawings. They're assigned a certain number of different cuts by the person in charge of key animation. Key animators draw the essential frames that make a distinct expression or position of a cell or character. They draw the structure of the animation. These drawings also include lines which direct where the shadowing will occur. Around 20 key animators can be working on a single episode of anime, each in charge of a different section. Although it's already decided what a movement will be, it's up to the key animator to express that as an animation. Key animators are kind of the real rock stars. You know, some of them can even deviate from the storyboards if they're big enough. These are the Genga men. And as I mentioned before, the key animators referred to Genga men, which translates to original image, right? And then there's a whole side of this called Sakuga. And Sakuga translates to to make or to craft. Basically good animation. Now Sakuga isn't necessarily a thing, but a process. Not something you watch, but something you do. So Sakuga actually began being recognized in the early 80s, and it was called Karasuma Animator, or Charismatic Animator. So there are four OG of these guys from the 80s. There's Yoshinori Kanata, Galaxy Express, Harmageddon, Nausicaa, and he was also a big member of the Superflat, with Takashi Murakami, who is the postmodern Japanese artist, and the Superflat refers to the various flattened forms in Japanese graphic art, animation, pop culture, and fine arts, as well as the shallow emptiness of Japanese consumer culture. There was Yasumo Umetsu, who's Lupin III, Gachaman, Kite, Seraph of the End, Dibungo Stray Dogs, Xenoblade Chronicles. He's gone on for a long, long time. There is Yoshikadu Kawajiri, Vampire D, Ninja Scroll, ended up working on One Punch Man, Attack on Titan Season 3, Demon Slayer, Jujutsu Kaisen, but started back in the 80s, and Ichiro Itano, Mobusu Gundam, Macross and Gantz. So they, this is when it, you started to get to this point where they became huge things. So Sakuga is basically like the best key animators out there. And now they have their own fan bases mm. and they're kind of like rock stars. It's a bit like the NBA in that a lot of the time, well, a lot of the time you in NBA, you actually follow the players because there's only five on a team, like LeBron. You might be a LeBron fan as opposed to a Cleveland fan. And you're like, oh, LeBron's gone to the Lakers. I'm going to support the Lakers. Well, of course, there's still a lot of like people who have their team and will stick with their team no matter what, but you find it different in NBA where you actually follow a player. Oh, cool. AFL, not the case because there's 22 players on a side. You said there's only five players in NBA. On the court, yeah. How did I never know? I did not know that. <laughs> I'm like, in my head, I've just doubled it. No, five on five. What the five, fuck? I'm, yeah. I'd no. like to see your version of basketball with like <laughs> 22 players. <laughs> 22 players. It's pretty good. Well, 50 meter court, just. Shoulder to shoulder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so essentially you can like, you get fans now in anime and it's a really cool thing to do. You can just find these key animators who are just guns and you follow, because again, most of them are freelancers because as we've learned, that's how it works. Very, some of them are, are still employees of some of the better production houses, but most of them are freelancers and you can follow them from their work to work and be like, oh shit, this guy's working on this new show that this production house is doing. Sick. I'm going to watch this because I know it's going to look sick. I recommend when you find an anime you like, even just typing the names of the YouTube and watching like super clips of yeah. their stuff. That's that's a great way to if you go and look up Sakuga on YouTube, you will see like a good example of Sakuga is like whenever Levi does anything in Attack on Titan. That's a Sakuga section. When Genos- There goes our budget. <laughs> Levi did something. They're in the source that- material. Like, fuck all right. Oh, Here's no. a good moment. <laughs> and then, you know, for example, when Genos fights Saitama in season one of one Punch Man, or whenever Saitama really does anything, Sakuga. Whenever Gojo does anything in Jujutsu Kaisen, when he fights 
those are Sakuga moments. It basically goes from when it's gone from pretty stock standard animation to a hugely elevated moment in animation. That is Sakuga. And that is done by the key animators. And a lot of the time, the key animators will sometimes even do the in-between work, which is the Doga men's job, which as we spoke about before, they're the poor saps who get brought in to make those key images move. But we'll talk about that in a second. Sam, what do the Venga boys do? The Venga boys, <laughs> they're just back in town, yeah, y'all. Yeah, great. They're just chilling on the they're bus. They're just on the bus. <laughs> so- <laughs> Okay, now let's talk about an animation director. They handle consistency. So they don't direct the anime per se. Their position is to control consistency. They check all the keyframes created for an episode and make corrections where necessary so that the drawings are as close to the models for the series as possible. They're one of the four key star positions for an episode. So screenplay, episode director, storyboard, animation director. Keyframes may also be checked by the episode director too. Often there'll be multiple animation directors on an episode. It's normally a bad indication because it means that there's a lot of quality control which is going wrong. So there's a lot of people coming in correcting all the mistakes that are being made. It's a thing, whenever you do see an episode with like 19 animation directors, it happens. Uh, you're like, ooh, this was a bad production schedule. Something schedules. went so wrong. It's like the equivalent of bringing a new director for like a, a major movie studio. Like, oh, not, yeah. yeah. Like, we'll like after they do a screening and they're like, well, we're going to reshoot reshoots. Yeah. Well, so the, the, again, they control the consistency. So yeah, they're yeah. sitting there being like, oh, shit, this this whole sequence doesn't move right. Shit. we got to fix that. So if there's like a bunch of them, you're looking at a problem. Yeah, right. So then as we said, we have the in-between animations. The more the merrier in my head. No, sorry, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how it works. <laughs> 22 all. of them on the court. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. So here come the Dokumen, the in-between animators. So once the keyframes are approved, the drawings that connect the keyframes must be drawn. This is called the in-between animation, almost always handled by less experienced animators and often outsourced to Korea, actually. A lot of these guys get outsourced to Korea. A lot of um, good work coming from Korea. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't get me started on Webtoons. It's oh. a whole episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's I've lost episode. a lot of money to Webtoons. <laughs> Have you read Solo Leveling? So no, good. but I'm reading oh. one that is really similar called oh. Omniscient Reader. Ooh. And it basically is solo leveling what I'm reading, but I'm into it. <laughs> Just read solo leveling. Everyone read solo leveling. Mm. Oh, um, yeah, you must. Okay, everyone read Omniscient Reader. <laughs> We've got a couple. We've got two, two <laughs> coming right ignore now. That, we should do a webtoon episode, actually. Uh, we will. Mm. Anyway, so <laughs> some more experienced and famous key animators, as I said before, will sometimes draw the in-between frames to keep the quality up. So... A good example of that is Yoshimitsu Kameda's Mustang versus Lust sequence in Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. He drew the whole thing. There were no in-between guys. He did the key animation and he did the in-between animation. Yeah, it's pretty good. That's why it looks so sick. So sometimes that does happen. Also, generally in TV anime, it will be animated at 2, 2S, which means one drawing will last for two frames, equaling to 12 drawings per second. But sometimes animation is done at 1.2S, which is 24 frames per second, or 3S. The average anime will have around 3,000 frames or drawings per episode. Some get over 10,000 drawings done for them. But for example, the first episode of Neon Genesis only had 700 drawings in it. So many directors and studios will limit the amount of drawings in an episode to keep costs down. That's when you normally have those like panning sort of sweeps of like Japanese countryside with like crickets in the background. Yeah. You're like, oh, it's so arty, but it's yeah. not. It's it's anti-art. It's saving yeah. money. Like, it's just saving money. <laughs> yeah. All I can uh, say is listening to this, I'm like, I'm never complaining about an animation 
ever again. Yeah. I'm never going to yeah. be like, man, like that looks sloppy. I'll be like, I'm sorry, everyone. Like, you're, you're brilliant. No, like, it's really unless hard. it's like Seven Deadly Sins, which deserves. Okay, that deserves all the honor. Is that not the fight choreography in that though as well? Because there no, must be fight choreographers that do the storyboarding for, yeah, yeah which is another whole thing as mm. well. It was part of the storyboard, yeah. Mm. But no, it was just bad, wasn't it? Mm. So on that note, a fluid animation is easier to achieve with simpler designs or if the requirements for consistency are less strict. So the trade-off between detailed, consistent designs and more fluid animation is a big debate sort of philosophically within the anime industry. So with tight budgets and crushing schedules, this struggle has been hard to solve with shortcuts and compromises made constantly. So yeah, this is a good point. It's why like all of a sudden you'll see a show start to get rushed and you're like, ooh, what the fuck? It's like Dragon Ball Super. Yeah, like I, Some of those example. scenes are perfect just example. horrendous. Even and compared to like, the original Dragon Ball Z, mm. Mm. but it's just time and money constrictions. Absolutely. Yeah, and this is what happens. And again, these constrictions are being passed and, down because they're trying yeah. to save on costs. And in our head, we're like, but Dragon Ball is a huge, like a huge medium. It'll make so much money so they could put money into it, but that's actually not how it works because nah. of the system, the Shark Tank system. <laughs> the Shark Tank system. <laughs> exactly. Throttle everything. That's it. So then the final stage after we've done the key animation and the in-between animation is the compositing and filming side of it. So it is commonplace for the frames to be finished on a computer. Once the drawings have been checked and completed, they are digitized. Once on the computer, they are painted with a specific color palette by the painting staff. They use the shading lines drawn by the key animators to do the shading colors. Remember I mentioned before that they're different for key and different for the background. So this has replaced the old ink and paint stage of production, which used to be done all by hand and was incredibly laborious, like Naruto, for example, or the early stages of Naruto anyway. These are the final cells that go into the animation. Now, once the process is completed, the cells are processed as animation using specialized software packages, most commonly Retas Pro, all in capitals with an exclamation point after Retas, before the use of digital- I didn't get that from your delivery. <laughs> Retas Pro. Um, yeah. There you go. There you go, there you go. There you go. Before the use of digital cells, drawings were actually filmed over backgrounds. Now, cuts are completed digitally and the background art can be added on the computer. So while it doesn't use actual film, the compositing process of adding background art and capturing the animation digitally is still referred to as filming. Now, the CG and machines are also generally added to the composition during the filming stage. So the use of 3D CG is now used commonly for things like mecha, cars and backgrounds, crowds, characters, you know, during compositing, the effects are also applied to the cuts. And Titans. Let's and ti Titans. <laughs> your studio whoop. mapper. The whole yes. of Berserk 2016. Oh, don't do that to me. That was, that was appalling. So yes. Um, <laughs> effects are then added, which incorporate basic things like ambient lighting, flare, backlight, the glints off a sword, etc. stuff like that. Numerous things to bring depth and atmosphere to 2D drawings. Epic things like magic attacks and explosions are typically hand-drawn but rendered with CG to enhance them, e.g. Demon Slayer episode 19. So the usage of computers in anime has actually lifted the quality and the speed of production exponentially, particularly since the year 2000. So after compositing is completed, for all the cuts, they are timed to make sure they fit into the runtime. Once the editing is completed, the episode moves out of production and into post-production. And that involves sound design, music, foley, voice acting, and then the final edit after all that just to make sure it all syncs together. And then some final SFX might be added in post too. And that is how an anime gets made. Right, so TLDR. Wait, too long, didn't read. That did work. There's a king. There's a king. <laughs> Uh, they draw some stuff and it's, they're not getting paid enough. No, they're not. They play some basketball. Um, yeah. <laughs> 22 players. Equals good computers game. And, um, <laughs> That's how it gets made. 
That's how you get the same thing. Thank you. That was a lot of research. I'm Round of applause, Sam. That was, that was a lot of research. It's a lot. That was a Dan Carling of explaining <laughs> anime production. <laughs> that was more than Wikipedia, is yeah. all I'll say. Yeah. It was. That was good fun. So, like I said, we have a problem here in that a lot of animators are really getting burnt out, especially the guys at the bottom who are earning sweet fuck all, but are integral to the process. And they're actually running out of people. It's becoming a real problem. It really, really is. And well, no one wants to work for a horrifying industry where they don't get paid enough money for grueling hours? No. Well, funnily enough, again, this is how you get them because, the, of course, the anime industry is so prestigious, right? Uh, so you get these kids with stars in their eyes coming out being like, hey, do you want to work for some huge animation production house? Of course I do. Well, cool. Here's 12 grand for the year. Now work 160 hours a week. It's like, yeah. Whoo, you know, mm. <laughs> it's brutal. It's brutal. And I guess that's why outsourcing has become, as you mentioned, like Korean studios. Like it's yes. easier to fill those roles outside of your country than in. Exactly. Mm. That sucks. I mean, as a professional drawer in my past, <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I could never, I couldn't even imagine like the physical toll it would take on your body as well. For just, oh my God. You know, you're hunched over a screen or a paper. You're, you're constantly using your wrist and stuff. Like mm. it must, it, it must mess you up. Oh, it's brutal, man. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. And then yeah. all you do is, you know, you work your ass off on a fucking show, then you go onto Reddit and people are like, meh, 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 the CG, like, and like, just like shit all, all over all you. they receive death threats on Twitter for using CGI in Attack on Titan. Like, someone, okay, anime fans, sort your shit out. Someone yeah, tries to set fire to your studio or runs it with a gun. <laughs> well, yeah, his, fucking hell. Key animator made a mistake or something. Yeah, like. That's Dude, fucked. It's insane. So like, the problem is, is that like, it's really tough because you see this stuff happening and you're like, oh shit. And you can see it happen. We're going to now talk about the big animation houses and what they're big for. And some companies which do this thing where to make money, what they do is take on a ton of different animes, which just flog their staff almost half to death. But because they're paid per anime, lump sum from the production committees who take all the profits, they take as many as they possibly can to make as much money as they can. But what that does is pass all of these horrifying, it just completes the cycle because all it does is make the work schedules more horrific for the people working for them and just so they can make a bit more money because that's how the system works. So that is a major problem and it's actually really starting to rear its head. Now I mentioned some stuff coming up soon with, with a particular production house, but Charlotte, why don't you tell us about one of these production houses? I'm Let's go start. around. On a lighter note, actually, because there are some, as Sam mentioned, production houses that do things a bit differently. Yes. Yeah, so I mentioned a few before who actually can be on their own production committees, and that's a big thing. Yep. So I'm going to start with a really amazing, and the more I researched it, the more fangirly I got of this production house, Kyoto Animation, mm -hmm. who are known as KyoAni, as a like short, yes. you know, cute little abbreviation. Just some notable shows are Full Metal Panic, The Melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya, Clannad, K on Free, Sound Euphonium, A Silent Voice, Violet Evergarden, and Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid so S. Good. We haven't really talked about many of these. In fact, we have talked about none of these shows. This is a travesty on our part, isn't it? Oh, no, I mentioned Free, I'm sure. Oh, you've mentioned Free, yes. But um, these are all, like, I mean, for example, The Melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya is a classic. K-On! is a classic slice of life. They're yes. all, these are all incredibly highly rated shows that anime fans fucking froth on. Like, oh, yeah. A lot of it is slice of life. A lot of it is kind of a bit more that they're not action-based, um, which is interesting. Anyway, um, so Kyoto Animation was co-founded in 1981 by a married couple, Yoko and Hideaki Hata. I have no information about their love story, but I'm sure it was adorable, like all the anime they've produced. I'm sure it was as glorious as the love that they feel for each other in free. Yes. Anyway, I actually tried to look that up. I was like, I want to hear it as married couple. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. So the interesting thing about the system that they do at Kyoto Animation is that they actually have got 
their workers on salary. Yes. So they don't freelance. They It'll never salary. work. Say, for example, you're just looking up the different animation houses and you see a list of shows they produced. Um, they've done a lot because they actually were founded in 1981, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I said that already. But the thing is that they have got a lot less shows than other animation houses I'm about to talk to because they don't take as much on. Yes. Because they really do – because they do it all in-house. They train. They really invest in the people they bring on as salaries. They kind of promote taking longer to do things. So, like, they would do – they only have like three shows currently in the last three. They do like a show a year, if yes. that, if yes. that even. Yes. Yeah, right. And they also have an artist school attached to them. They do. So they train up people. You can go to the artist. They're like the, by far the best company to work for. Yeah. Also, they are the one of the only ones that promote gender equality. They yes. they hire fifty percent female animators, yes. which is oh, wow. like that's they how are, you fill those gaps. They, they are <laughs> half oh the population. <laughs> Wait, what? Fifty percent of our population is what? I the more I read about this company, the more I was like, I just love them. Like this is so cool, and they're kind of like a pretty ahead of the curve on that way. Like oh, yeah. it is a male dominated industry, big time. And so to have that gender gap, kind of you know, like promoting them, they also have like I went on their website. It's worth a look. It's actually a really cute website where it's um they've got their corporate philosophy on there, and it's. Kind of been translated as not super kind of well-worded in English, but mm-hmm. it's a translation. It's um, since inauguration, our principles are make a challenge, do the best, produce required works, and keep our corporate as a humanitarian one. <laughs> we value people. Promoting the growth of people is equal to creating the brightness of works. Oh, which is a great philosophy. That's, great. that's fucking sick. And like that's the thing they kind of genuinely. I feel like they they're like the gold standard when it comes to workers in anime yeah. industry, but they have control over their projects. So yes, they don't they do. have to bid on stuff. They don't have to rely on everything. No. And what's really cool is that they have the Kyoto Animation Awards, yes. uh, which every year basically that is so people can submit for new material. So they're not kind of out there waiting for the next Demon Slayer to fall. And they're mm-hmm. not there kind of like waiting for people. They kind of promote that people bring the material to them and they kind of award prizes based on a manga, a novel, and I think something else, and which I can't actually – I can't find much information about this online, but um, I know that Violet Evergarden, which is mm. a huge show. Wonderful on show. Netflix, Check it out. Netflix. Beautifully animated. My God. Oh, stunning. That is – one that won all of those awards and yeah. that's how they found it. So they kind of like they found that it was quite an obscure one. It wasn't mm. like a huge best-selling manga. It's an Ace novel. Mm. So they their mater- source material kind of goes, it searches a bit more off the beaten track. Yes. So they're rarely doing the big show. They don't do any of the big shonen. No, they don't. So, they don't do shonen at all. They don't even do action shows really. Yeah. Yeah, they, they literally don't do action shows. So, yeah, it's cool. They are fantastic. Yeah, they're the gold standard and they're – Obviously, again, as I said before, they're in a fortunate position where they're able to do that. A lot of the, these production houses cannot do that, but at the same time, fucking yes for them doing that. I can't talk about Kyoto Animation without bringing up a massive tragedy, though. Yes, we've mentioned and it before on the podcast. This is this it's... is genuinely like honestly, I was reading about. It, I feel physically ill, but um, in 2019, an arson attack happened where mentally ill person came in and set fire to the studios while mm. everyone was at work mm-hmm. and killed 30. Six people, yeah, and injured thirty-four. That's they're not that big a company. That was a huge, huge Shocking. portion of their staff were murdered by someone who was basically he was mentally ill and he thought that they were plagiarizing his work, which is unfounded. But the guy had a history of mental, so it's a completely right. basically he's been jailed for life and found guilty. And mm-hmm. I think the other thing about 
that though? Was it destroyed? Um, yeah, sorry, it was 36 dead, 33 injured, and mm. they destroyed all the material and computers and Fuck. everything like that. So that's a that was a real tragedy, though, obviously. And when that happened, that really shocked the anime industry because Kyo Animation has been going for so long and it's such a huge institution, beloved yeah. institution. Mm. And so I was like, this is really fucking unfair. Like this, yeah. Anyway, yeah, um, horrible, so horrible. But since then, they have done production again, so they're back up and running. And there was like a it really messed them up. Yeah, it's a oh, yeah. shocking, shocking. State also, I think I I read a statistic. It was the worst arson attack since World War Two. Yeah. So that is obviously horrific and yeah. one of the only ones ever happened in like an entertainment studio yeah. ever yes. in Japan's history. It is horrific. Anyway, not to leave on that bad note, but basically they're back up. But if you want to support any anime company by buying their shit, you know it's going straight to the workers. Yeah. They also have merchandising their art school. They take donations. They're actually awesome. So Kyoto Animation, I oh, part like honestly while I was researching this, I was like this is the beacon. Yeah. Light, yes. in other words, are really horrific. You're looking at the other studios that are really exploiting, and not and honestly, it's like they're all stuck in this situation, like exploiting their yes. workers. And it's like your favorite show you've ever seen. And you're like, oh, it's it's, it's the shitty part, you know. It's like you said they've been like, oh man, I really wish I'd stop exploiting their workers, but I hope they adapt Chainsaw Man well. You yeah, know? it's the worst. And you're like, <laughs> oh my so, god, you know, it's like <laughs> you feel like such a fucking. You're like, oh man, I know you guys get in the business, but. Oh, just just push through. Just make sure Chainsaw Man's sick. You know, like. <laughs> just push through. <laughs> just a little bit longer. Just a little bit longer. Just you can do it. <laughs> so fucked. Well, and that's how the whole system gets perpetuated. But Kyoto Animation are a shiny beacon of light. So go, Kyo Annie. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Graham, why don't you give us one? So I'm just scrambling here because I uh, my notes aren't as in-depth as you guys because I am an idiot. Um, <laughs> I'll do White Fox Studios. Yes, love White Fox. So if you don't know Wox Fight, Wox Fight. <laughs> Wox Fight? Wox Fight? Fight, Wox Fight. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. If you don't know White Fox Studios, <laughs> they, um, they are the studio behind like recent hits like ReZero, mm. um, Steins Gates was a big one for them. Yes. A very controversial anime called Goblin Slayer, which is it, it in itself is an episode, I think, Akami Ga Kill yes. is one of those, which I've never watched. Don't, uh, don't do it. Don't, don't do it. Don't, I, I, Charles I had a whole rant I about this already. I literally right. hate it. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. Literally hate it. You literally hate it. <laughs> literal hate. <laughs> literal wow. hatred. There you go. They were founded in 2007 by uh, Gaku Asawada. Nailed that. Wow. Yeah, well done. Um, <laughs> the studio is a is it's a spinoff. No, that's not the right term, is it? Subsidiary. Sub- no, they basically pull talent. So they oh. they spun off from uh, OLM. Okay. Which is responsible for uh, Pokemon mm. and Berserk. Yeah, so the, they, the OG, the OG? Berserk, yeah. yeah, the OG, mm. the 1997. No, yes, seven, yes. Yeah, so they were spun off. They tend to focus on light novels, mm. that sort of thing, sort of stuff. With, they do a little bit of manga, but oh, they, so, yeah, like. Oh, sorry, Berserk is the other company. Yeah, but, My bad. Sam, do you not research that? <laughs> Jesus. 15 pages. Well, of so yeah, because yeah, Steinsgate's a light novel. And yeah. So, yeah. Zero. Zero, yeah. Yeah. so their their work tends to be a bit edgier, a bit darker. Yes. I mean, if you've seen Rear Zero, it's, 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 every episode's a different trauma. Oh, yeah. Did I have to mention Rabbits? <laughs> um, Steinsgate is my favorite. Don't bring the is, yeah, another episode in itself. Steinsgate is, you know. I already Steinway. mentioned it. I already mm, did the episode. Great, oh, yeah. you don't listen. Oh, <laughs> so many podcasts, so many guest appearances. Oh, my God. You know. <laughs> Ended. I did that. Gateway to basketball is happening. <laughs> um, <laughs> Starring me. Charlotte. <laughs> 20 players. Yeah, 22 players. <laughs> oh, God, How do they afford all the jerseys? <laughs> 
Yeah, so as I said, darker, sort of more grittier stories. That's all I've got. Because yeah, that, that, that's why Fox. Yeah. No, yeah, it's yeah. interesting because that's, that's, that's a studio that I, I remember reading about and being like, cool. Like, I remember seeing because I like their animation is yeah. fair. also like those, like ReZero and oh, Steinsgate, yeah. hugely well received beautiful. by the anime community. Massive. Like, but they don't, haven't done that much, I don't think. No, but again, as you say, again, their thing is light novels. That's their yeah. big thing that they ad- ad- yeah. adapt. So, again, the Animosities. animation, more slice of life kind of stuff, whereas White Fox, pretty much almost exclusively. I mean, yes, they do. They do branch out to manga and whatnot, but mostly it's light novel adaptations. And it's interesting because a lot of these studios do have oeuvres and this is theirs. Yeah, and they do. Like, ReZero is one of, in my top ten. Oh, me too. I love it. Yeah, that's White Fox. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, I'm going to talk, and we've talked about this this studio once before on the One Punch Man episode, but I'm just going to give you and also need to tell you about the man who founded this, and I'm, then I'm going to run on to the studio he founded after he left this oh house. Oh, my God, his notes. So here Sam, we go. come on, spark notes. All right, okay, okay. Man house. love you, but actually it's pretty good. Yeah. I'm, I'm enthralled. <laughs> all right. I'm just jealous of his notes. Yes, yeah, <laughs> That's all I got. I gotta quit my job. <laughs> yeah, Subscribe to the Patreon so Graham can quit his job. Hundreds percent. You wanna learn more about White Fox? Get on the Patreon. <laughs> Put it behind a wall. Paywall. White <laughs> Fox info. <laughs> That's our second tier. Yeah. Oh, White Fox. <laughs> okay. Madhouse. Now these guys are the guys, and this They're was founded. The, the kings or the guys? They once were kings. Oh, now fallen. Defrond. Oh, spoiler, y'all. So founded in 1972 by ex Mushi Pro animators, including Masao Moriyama, Osama Dezuki, Rintaro, and Yoshikai Kawajiri. Now they were one of the first major studios to actually pivot to anime on television over films. So they were one of the first real, these guys were hugely, hugely influential in respect to Muriyama in particular is kind of a god in the TV animation world. Mushi Pro was Tezuku's company, which did Astro Boy. So a lot of these guys learned from the OG. Astro Boy. They've since gone on since then. Now fuck boy. It's fucked up everyone's life. Oh, Sorry. yes, well, indeed. <laughs> Unintentional consequences, yes. Uh, but Madhouse collaborated with and recruited Vital directors of the 90s, such as Satoshi Kon and Masayuki Kojima. And they also collaborated with eminent mangakas like Naoki Urasawa and Clamp. If Charlotte, you don't know Clamp, the all-female. Oh, yep. Yeah. The girl knows the all-female You've mentioned them yeah. before. <laughs> Thank Bring God I'm in. here, guys. Bring her in. Wheel her in. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Please be quiet. This hysterical woman is <laughs> Sorry, I'm fucking with you. No, yes, I know Clamp. Clamp, a legendary manga. Absolutely legendary. Muriyama was working with all these guys in the 90s. Gave a lot of them their starts, actually. However, in 2011, Nippon TV became the primary stockholder of Madhouse. And things changed drastically after this acquisition. And it sparked a mass exodus of talent. Before I get to that, Muriyama became the main producer and he was a studio head of Madhouse. And he was personally responsible for greenlighting all the new projects. And as a result, projects were often directly pitched to him by outside interests or brought to him by the creators within the company. He was also highly influential in deciding the makeup of staff for various projects, you know, including picking the director, which as we said before, is the kingmaker. Essentially the what he maker. was. That's what he was. He yes. pulled the sword from the rock. <laughs> yes, he did. Um, <laughs> so as a context as well, Nippon TV is the second largest media conglomerate in Japan behind Sony. It owns Hulu in Japan and is partnered with Disney. So Nippon, massive, massive, massive company. Madhouse was started as a place where 
cool young guys could do cool things. That was the whole vibe with Mariana. You know cool what I'm saying? Cool young YMCA. guys doing cool things. Well, again, all these, all these <laughs> again, like, des- uh-huh. like Osamu Dezuki, Rintaro, Muriyama, Misayama, Kojima, Satoshi Kon, Perfect Blue, these sorts of really interesting avant-garde type films and TV. That was what Madhouse were made for. And it was all about not taking on more than they could chew. It was about doing interesting work with interesting people. That was the whole modus operandi. And that's how they operated. And that's why they are so legendary. However, after Nippon purchased them, as I said, huge exodus of talent because all of a sudden they essentially had a production committee to answer to. And all of a sudden it wasn't just what Muriyama thought was cool. It was what Nippon told them the fuck they were doing. And as a result, Madhouse has descended into what used to be the beacon and the top of the anime industry to a place which just does pretty average work. I mean, there was still good stuff after Muriyama left. One Punch Man, 2015, for example, obviously. So a place further than the universe, which is 2015. Really, really cool. However, if you want to look at something which is an example of how far Madhouse has fallen, you can watch No Guns Life, which I have suggested on our social medias in the past. No Guns Life is really cool, but if you get to the second half of the second season, you can tell that it's ran the fuck out of time and it's some of the worst CGI shit I've ever seen in my life. And like Madhouse would never have done that. It just wouldn't have happened back in the day. But now they're clearly just picking up stuff and it's it's getting rushed. So it's a big problem with Madhouse and it's why people are really upset about it. But a lot of people attribute it to Mariyama's exit and Nippon's acquisition. They still do good work. As I said, there's been a bunch of stuff since Mariyama's departure, which was in 2011. It's still cool and still does good stuff, but it's just not the beacon it's that it used to cool. be. It's still cool. It's still cool. Still um, cool guys doing some cool things. Cool guys doing cool things. <laughs> just hanging out with leverage coats and smoking. That's it. But you know, again, he gave, I mean, Mariyama gave starts at Madhouse to some of anime's biggest stars. He got, he sort of created this haven which nurtured and fostered talent. Cool so guys. Masaki, 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 a bunch of cool guys. He nurtured some cool guys. Nurtured some cool guys. Like Masaki Yuasa, Ping Pong, Devil Man Crybaby, Masayuki Kojima, Maiden Abyss, wow. Morio Asaka, Kai Captain Sakura, which they made at Madhouse, Seo Yamamoto, Yuri on Ice, Yuzuru Tachikawa, Mob Psycho, Hiroshi Homosuko, Steins Gate, and Tomoko Ito, Sword Art Online, and Tetsuro Araki, Attack on Titan. All those guys got their starts through Madhouse. Pretty good. And some of the anime, I'll just, I'll just, just a couple of them. Just a couple. Just a couple. Trigon, Cardcaptor Sakura, Master Keaton, Boogie Pop Phantom, Hajime no Ippo, Beyblade, Ninja Scroll, Gungrave, Paranoia Agent, Monster, Urasawa, one of the legends he worked with, Paradise Kiss, Nana, Black Lagoon, Death Note, Claymore, Devil May Cry, The Tatami Galaxy, High School of the Dead, Hunter Hunter Remake, Chia Yafuru, Ace of the Diamond, No Game, No Life, Parasite the Maxim, Death Parade, Overlord, One Punch Man, Place Further Than the Universe, No Guns Life. Holy shit. Yeah, it's crazy. It's yeah, out of control. That's, that's that, you know, Right? Like, you don't get an animation house better than that, essentially. They also made movies, Ninja Scroll, Perfect Blue, Satoshi Kon, as I mentioned before, Vampire D, Bloodlust, Tokyo Godfathers, and Alita, Battle Angel. Pretty good. They're motherfucking huge. He then went on to make MAPPA in 2011. And MAPPA is an acronym for Mariyama Animation Produce Project Association. So that's what that stands for. That's what MAPPA actually stands for. Thank God. Yeah, I was losing sleep over that. <laughs> <laughs> so MAPPA is an interesting case as well because he, the reason he left Madhouse after the acquisition from Nippon was because he was like, oh shit, this isn't what I started. It's all starting to become very corporatized. So he started MAPPA again to cultivate talent and work on interesting projects. And that's what he did. So the very first show that MAPPA did was Kids on the Slope which is a Wantanabe show. Well, it wasn't, he didn't write the manga. He, they got the manga and he's like, hey, Wantanabe, you know what, man? You're coming in. I tried to make a few shows at you at Madhouse. Didn't work. Now I've started my new thing. I've always loved you. I love Cowboy Bebop. I love He's like, we got shit. jazz. <laughs> we need you. We need you, man. Get in here, Wantanabe. 
And Montenabo was like, yeah, cool, man. Cool. Came in and made Kids on the Slope. But with him, he brought a guy called Manabu Otsuka, who they brought in from Studio 4C, and he helped produce Kids on the Slope at Montenabe's request. So we'll talk about him a bit later. Muriyama started Mapper with the same ethos in which he started Madhouse, to make interesting work with interesting people. And that's what they started doing. So they did Kids on the Slope. They did Terror in Resonance, again, Montenabe. And they also made Rage of Bahamut which was actually their first really big success. And that was with Psy Games. And after the success of that, Psy Games actually started help funding the studio. So they got a lot of funding from that. So again, started off really, really well. Muriyama, absolute top of the game. I mean, Kids on the Slope, their first anime, Muriyama gave it to Watanabe because he had tried to get shows up at Madhouse, but kept hitting roadblocks. Threw the manga at Watanabe and Watanabe accepted because in his own words, no one refuses Muriyama. This is where it was at. Now, the problem is, as I mentioned before, Otsuka, he was actually the guy who pushed for Yuri on Ice. Now, we've talked good. about Yuri on Ice. Yes, very good. Thank God for that. Absolutely. Seriously. Yuri on Ice, Banana Fish, Zombieland Saga, all sorts of shows that other studios just wouldn't touch because they were kind of left of center, didn't know if they'd be hits or not. So Yuri was the big hit, but it was an absolute nightmare to make. Well, it was an original as well. It was an original, but it was an absolute ship fight because, again, with anime originals, by the way, they are often director's babies as opposed to you know, a manga from a manga car. This is like essentially the director becomes a manga car when they create something themselves. And as we've mentioned before, directors are the real power behind an anime. And when it's their own story, they become the kings of that project, right? So essentially the problem was- I know, Graham. Graham just looked at me and I was like, I'll just let him have it this time. <laughs> so you and I obviously became a massive hit. But for example, then Muriyama left. Because what happened was they started taking on more than they could chew. They, Mappa made seven shows in 2017. Seven in one year, which is absolutely insane. So it all began with Yuri and it made a ton of money, but nearly killed the production team. And it was so rushed and close to the deadline that different broadcasters received different versions of the same episode. What? That's how rushed it was in the end. Wow. Like that's how that he, they took on this show because he knew it would be a hit. Also, he knows how to pick a hit, but also at the cost of his whole stuff. And after that, Moriyama resigned. And Osaka now runs Mappa. He is the studio director. And now the thing about Mappa is like we said, some of the coolest shit. We got Kids on the Slope, Terror in Resonance, Yuri on Ice, Rage of Bahamut, Hajime no Ippo, Inuyashiki, Banana Fish, Zombieland Saga, Dodoro, Kagakuri, Doro Hedero, God of High School, Jujutsu Kaisen, Attack on Titan Season 4, Chainsaw Man, which is upcoming. And of course, they did Yasuki with Netflix because they are... One of nine studios who are now partnered with Netflix, which are also Production IG, Bones, Anima, Sublimination, David Productions, and plus also Naz, Science Saru, and Studio MIRR. So they've just signed a deal with them. But the problem with Mappa, and it's a huge thing right now within the anime community, is that it's difficult. Because when I was referencing Chainsaw Man, as I said, these guys won the bid from the production committee and it's a, to do be a Chainsaw hit. Man. Chainsaw Man's a surefire hit, right? Jujutsu Kaisen, surefire hit. When Studio Wit, who we'll talk about later, gave up Attack on Titan, because it was too much for them to bear anymore because it was killing their staff. Who took it? Mappa. So they're on the same sort of trajectory there. Uh, on the exact, that's why Muriyama left. He yeah. was like, man, shit, it's happening again. I'm out. Yeah. I'm out. He's now founded a studio called Studio M2 and he's doing one project and that is with Urasawa, who made Monster, who he's worked with many, many times. And that's a project called Pluto, which is widely regarded as his best manga of all of them. And that's the one project he's doing himself now at M2. And he's even quoted as saying, if Mappa directors want to make the sort of shows they want to make, they should come visit me over at M2 instead. So. <laughs> Sassy. So that's then the problem. Does that perpetuate again as he starts building up steam based off this new thing and then takes on more projects and then just... It's almost like there's a problem with the system. It's like almost like the system's problem. 
He's like <laughs> one of those guys that went around like he'd set up with a girl and he'd have a bunch of kids and he'd fuck off and he'd do the same <laughs> thing. Well, yeah. Wait, so he's yeah. a fuckboy? He's, he's a complete fuckboy. <laughs> Moriyama fuckboy confirmed. Setting up franchises. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's the thing is that they had a sterling reputation. Everyone loves like loved Mappa up until recently, but now, as I say, oh, do we not like Mappa now? Well, no, we like what the shows they've done, but it's yeah, like right. it's looking more and more like they've taken on too much, and it's a bit hectic. Yeah, they're just they're it's just like the working of, conditions can't really. The working more. conditions are insane. In fact, just recently there was a tweet from a disgruntled Mappa employee who described working there like working in a factory. Uh, that's not good. He's come out and been like, "Man, are some of the worst working conditions I've ever experienced." But I'll read the tweet to you right now. I'm not sure why I'm here, because I'm certainly not here to animate. It seems I'm just here to do retakes, like adding missing details to buttons or fixing up aliased 3D CG. Is this a factory? I don't know why I work so hard to get into this company. I don't understand why us employees are spread all over like we're in the fields. It's filthy. The thing that makes me want to quit is that every week, 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 we don't finish our work until morning hits. Of course, there are some great companies that put a lot of effort into educating their staff. This is just my personal opinion and experience. I don't know if everyone feels this way, but as far as I can tell, a good 80% of the employees complain about this kind of thing. One of my superiors who quit told me I should take care of myself, and he was right. On top of that, I got yelled at for fixing an ugly drawing. What the hell? A choice without regret. If only we could all choose. Hashtag map up. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's not funny. It's actually fucked. Like I, that's I'm finding it hard to like joke about this stuff because it is truly not laugh like it's not a laughing matter, but yeah, it's fucking nuts. It's fucking nuts. And again, as we said, it's a it's a cycle within the anime community and Mappa, which was started by the guy who started two different companies which have all fallen down the same hole. It's a and he, this guy is like the one of the gods of well, one of the, the grandfathers. One of the grandfathers. <laughs> of television anime, you right. know? And so this is a problem. Anyway, that's Studio Mapper. Please just push through for Chainsaw Man for us because we really want that to be a good adaptation. Hell, well, I mean, Jujutsu Kaisen was sick. Like, they're going to do Kaisen a good one. Like, they're going to be good. And like Attack on Titan season four was great. But again, they took that on because it was killing wit, you know? And that's the thing. It's like they just keep taking on more and more and more. And this is a major problem within the anime industry right now. So, Charlotte, let's move on to something else because Mapper, they do good work, but. The working conditions, terrible. FYI. Well, this will be a quick fun one. Ufotable. Hey. Hey. So, Ufotable, most known for Fate Zero, yes. Fate Stay Night, Unlimited Blade Works, mm-hmm. Demon Slayer, Kimetsu no Yaiba, Demon Slayer, Kimetsu no Yaiba, You Can Train, mm-hmm. and God Eater. So those yes. are like, they've done a, they do all the fates now. They do. Which we will forgive them for. <laughs> they look um, great though. They look, well, that's they the thing. Great. This is their whole thing. They look good. Anyway, it was founded in October 2000. So it said Libran. Sorry, it's not funny. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Someone kill me now. Oh, my sake. Uh, anyway, <laughs> from former staff of TMS Entertainment subsidiary Telecom yes. Animation Film. Mm. Don't know what that was. <laughs> I couldn't find any information. But the founder's name is Hikaru Kondo. Awkwardly, he had had to leave because he had tax evasion in 2020 and they owed like $3.6 million. Oh. It, and unpaid taxes. Oh. Luckily for them, they had a fucking hit with the Demon Slayer Mugen train. Oh, yeah. I mean, that being said, they probably made no money off it. So no, the production committee made a ton, I'm sure. Well, fuck. All right, guys. <laughs> One thing out you photo, well, the reason that these guys got excited when I said it is because they are really famous for their distinct animation style that uses CG, I would say, the best out of any yes. of the animation companies. 100%. So Fate Zero 
which I'm rewatching now, much to my dismay because I get fate. Don't I, I don't want to talk about fate, guys. Don't so talk about don't, fate. Don't, don't watch fate. Don't, don't do it. I was ready there. Anyway, <laughs> guys, don't make me talk about fate. I'm like, don't make me sing. Don't make me do it. Uh, saber is like, your favorite saber. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, though, like uh, it's very distinctive, and if you've seen the Demon Slayer or Demon Slayer TV series, um, I would describe it as like there's like this light reflection that comes on on top of like fights, and it's like really yes. cool. It looks like it's. It's very distinctive. You know it's a ufotable animation sequence. Their fight scenes are insane, like the fight choreography. That's what they're really famous for. So animating good fights, all that stuff, incorporating CG into their work in a big way. Um, It's like a combination of effects, light reflection and like the cinematography, graphics or whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, yeah, it's like combining the CG with the hand-drawn, but they do a lot of CG more than most companies would be in a really good way. Yes, In like a cute way. You're like, that's sick. They've combined it with the 2D animation better than anybody else because a lot of the time CG can be so jarring. You're like, even MAPPA, for example, season four, Attack on Titan, all of a sudden after Wit's brilliance of it, apart from their one part in season two where they've CGI'd the colossal titan similar sort of thing everyone was like what the this looks weird man you know but fucking ufotable they combine the two pretty damn seamlessly and you should it's go like they also watch. make it a real stylistic choice yes. that works so they don't try and hide it they're not just like it's all 2d animation then suddenly we have this weird like 3d it's like they kind of mix it in with the yeah it looks it's fucking good it's the amazing. one time they have failed the train the train Mugen train <laughs> which looked like Ivan Ooze from the Power Rangers movie <laughs> In like 2000, yeah, when the train or whatever became, yeah. that came out, when the train started, that yeah. just but everyone else flawless, flawless, flawless. Yeah. they're incredible. Um, love you, so everyone the loves you. The Ufotable obviously had enough money to make that, and like Demon Slayer film made the most money a Japanese film has ever made, correct? Like, it's crazy. Got my money, yeah, but, got um, mine. <laughs> that was also co produced by Aniplex, who owned yeah. by Sony, Aniplex, Aniplex. Um, so yeah, but yeah, basically, it made. Like a record forty-four million dollars, and it's the biggest theatrical release in the world on that weekend. Yeah, it was. Release. So it was, he was a huge hit. We've talked Monster. about it. I don't think Sam it was Clyde. that hard based on the year we just had. Like, what do we? What movies did we have last year? No, but it's the biggest. Oh, okay, all right, Graham. All right, come on. Graham's <laughs> just jealous because he wasn't a drawer on. <laughs> just draw. It's a draw. My, my drawer skills weren't that good. <laughs> 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 no, but I'm not taking any away from it. Like it's huge, and it, 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 you know, Japan number one movie of all time. Yeah, just passed spirited away. You know, it was, oh, did it? Yeah. I'm not sure it quite deserves that TVH, but I no, love, but it. No, did. But it's a commercial, you know, it's more commercial than Spirit of the Way. Like, it's amazing that it's a it, canon, it's also a canon. Canon of a TV series, yeah. 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 Crazy. Um, Crazy. Does that set precedent now that we are getting like Black Clover movies and I think it will, more yes. theatrical geared sort of arcs? And- I think it was a, a, I mean, it was a risk. I mean, when I found out that they were doing it, I was like, Jesus, really? You're making a movie in canon? Like, at which is actually going to be shown in cinemas that doesn't happen very often. And thank God they didn't listen to you. Well, thank, oh God. God. <laughs> thank God I'm not on a production Sam committee. Sam wrote oh. an angry email. <laughs> but no, fucking, I think we'll see a lot more of it, yes. Because I assumed once we had that break at the last Attack on Time that they were going to do the second half as a movie. I thought they would too, yeah. But, but no. Here we go. Season four, part Sam two. Sam doesn't want to Mappa. talk about Attack on Titan finishing because then he's going to have to go back on a lot of things he said. Look, I'm not. Uh, no, I can't wait. We're not doing that now. I'm not doing that now. Sorry. Spoiler right. for future episodes. Yes, I finished the manga. No, Graham, have you got yes, another one? Because otherwise I can continue on for I got, I got a couple more. Let's uh, go soon, Let's talk about A1 Studios. Hey. Established in 2005 by Ikihiro mm. Ayawata. He was originally at Sunrise, which is another studio that I think studio. we're talking about. Talk he about left early 2000s um, and went to work for Annie Polex, <laughs> which is- um, <laughs> That's in my head all the time. That's all it is. Every time, Annie Polex. Annie Polex. <laughs> um, 
which is owned by the king Ooh. of animation studios or even companies, Sony. Yes, who, they are the king, true. Who own Crunchyroll and mm-hmm. pretty much just own the industry as far as I'm yeah, aware. They right? pretty much own Japan, really. Uh, yeah, just own Japan. <laughs> and Mitsubishi. Do they own? That's another podcast. Mm-hmm. Nintendo? They're up there too, yeah. So A1 Studios are responsible for, uh, I'm not going to list their entire thing. I could no. be here for days, but these yes. are the ones that kind of stood out for me. So um, Black Butler, mm-hmm. Fairy Tale. One of my personal favorites, Blue Exorcist. Yes. Maggi? Maggi? Maggi's fucking dope. Yeah. Underrated shonen people. Yeah. Check out Maggi. There's three seasons and there's also a spinoff on Netflix called Sinbad. Awesome. Check it Sinbad's out. Sinbad's hot. Sinbad is hot. Yes. Wow. <laughs> That's Fair all enough. you need to know. <laughs> the Devonport <laughs> family. Into Sinbad. Um, into Sinbad. Just into Sinbad, yeah. <laughs> Who's bad? Sinbad. Um, <laughs> That's a shout-out for a friend of mine, Liam. <laughs> they also did Sword Art Online, Darling in the Franks, which looks great. Weird story. Yes. Love is War. Kaguya. Kaguya-sama. Kaguya-sama. Yes. Dude, watch. So good. Fate. Grand Order. Oh, another fate. Another fate. A rival fate has appeared. <laughs> pop up everywhere. They're just everywhere. They have a, a, a subsidiary called Cloverworks, yes. which is, I guess, they take outsourced work from other studios. Mm-hmm. So they did finishing animations on Full Metal Alchemist, yep. background for Haiku, they finished animations for One Punch Man, mm-hmm. uh, Yuri and Ice. They helped with the production of that. So they produce a lot of their own stuff, but they also do a lot of heavy lifting for other studios, which it, like if the more you look into other studios, the more you'll find like they're not also doing their own stuff, but they're also taking on work from other studios, which yeah. is more pressure on animators. It's like, bizarre, man. Here's your work, but here's this guy's work as well. <laughs> which they didn't finish because of their schedule. Now add it into your schedule. Yeah. So yeah, just a huge production house owned by a huge, like one of the biggest corporations in the world as, yeah. you know, the anime industry and not a vice grip, but they own a lot of production yeah. studios. They own a lot of streaming sources. Oh, like yeah. If they're not directly on a produ- production committee, then at least one of their companies is, you know, yeah. they're, they're behind. But do they even need it? Because A1's, I don't, I don't want to say, I was going to say father, but that doesn't make sense. The owners is Sony that owns Crunchyroll. So you have yeah. a direct pipeline. So yeah. surely you can just go around that system and just go straight to your own streaming platform. I mean, Crunchyroll are starting to do things directly. Oh, but they're awful. They are. Yeah, they are. This is hopefully that these studios that are under Sony can pipe their own work into there rather than relying on, what was the last one they did? Everyone hated? No Blaze. No Blaze. No Blaze. No and then there yeah, was, and these are like really good source material. Yeah. Like as Graham and I as the biggest webtoon fans in the world, <laughs> I'm now just I'm saying it. it. They did Tower of God, No Police, and uh, The God of High School, which are the, the like holy trinity of webtoon, which is yeah. um, mm-hmm. South Korean comics. And they kind of fucked it. Well, The God cool. of High School was actually done by Mappa. It's, and- Sorry, my bad. Mm. But uh, yeah, Crunchyroll, not good. Not mm, good. Haven't no, nailed that. I mean, originals. I think people liked... Tower of God. Tower of God's the best one so far. I, I enjoyed Tower of God. It was I liked fine. it too. It was really the soundtrack good. was a banger. The soundtrack was fucking dope. Sure was. Yes. Love to interview that guy. Tower of God. I thought it was pretty good, man. Like, I mean, I know a lot of the, the source readers wanted it to be better, but, you know, like I thought that was pretty fucking oh, sweet. The main criticism was it was um only one season of 12 episodes. Yes. It was just like it was too pacing thing. That was all. Yes, yes. And if they got more time, though, yeah, I think it was still pretty pretty well received. Mm, 100%. I like the big crocodile guy who loves candy bars. He yeah, he's sick. Rack yeah. is awesome. I love, man. um, you know, Kilowa the second, the guy. At the fucking, <laughs> Kun, yeah. Yeah, could basically Kilowa with a briefcase. <laughs> yeah, with a briefcase. Like, it's great. All right, let's talk about Production IG. So initially founded as Instagram. IG Tatsunoko Sorry. Limited in 1987. It was a break-off of a branch studio of Tatsumoko Productions, which created a show called Zillion. So Mitsushia Ishikawa. The producer of Zillion founded the studio to obstruct the dispersing of the excellent staff of the Tatsumoko branch. The members of the Tatsumoko production 
Annex, led by Takayuki Goto, joined Ishikawa's branch to create production IG, taking the initials of each founder's name. They were supported by Hideaki Hata of none other than Kyoto Animation. So Kyoto Animation actually were one of the big backers of production IG. So in early 1997, fellow Tatsumo employee Koichi Mashimo presented an idea to President Ishikawa. Mashimo had conceived the idea of a small studio that could work on small-scale productions and nurture the creative spirit of its staff's members. Ishikawa liked the idea and sponsored Mishimoto's idea and the studio B-Train Animation Inc. was born as a subsidiary company. Production IG and Ishikawa helped subversive early productions such as Wild Arms, as in the video games, <laughs> Twilight, Twilight Venom and Ark the Lad. You so, say that like Wild Arms is like that no one other than we know. Yeah, well, okay. Well, it's, a, it's a sick JRPG from the 90s. So these guys are mostly Sa- a game Sam development Sam and I company. somehow had real kids yeah, and were so obsessed dope. with, but like no one ever has heard of it. No, but it was so dope. Ark the Lad, also super dope. But they made all these games, which I was shocked. I had no idea they did that until I read this. And then along with Zebek, it was the second subsidiary company under IG. And in 2006, B-Train became an independent of IG and Ishikawa stepped down as the executive in the company. The two studios worked together again in 2008 to work on Blade of the Immortal and Batman Gotham Knight, and again in 2010 for Halo Legends. Then in 1998, the company incorporated to become Production IG Inc. Following that, Production IG merged with ING, another production company founded by Ishikawa, in 2000. Then in a Q&A session, Ishikawa stated, the IG stands for two words, Itsumo, always, and Genki, happy. You should ask, is that true? In reality, it stands for Ishikawa and my artist collaborator's name, Tatsuko Goto. The initials of our last names. But now that I'm the sole president, we kept the name. But I'm happy to say it means Itsumo Genki. <laughs> Always happy. In 2007, the company announced a merger with Mag Garden and forming a new holding company called IG Port. IG Port has become the parent company of Production IG, Signal MD, and Wit Studio. So Zebek was formerly a part of IG Port until 2018 when it was sold to Sunrise. Production IG is actually closer to several divisions working together under the same name, such as with Sunrise, uh, than it is to being a single studio. And these different studios are known as different sections in reference to the studio's Ghost in the Shell franchise, one of the big things they did early on. So around 2011, Section 6's head, George Wada, and animation producer Tetsuko Nakate, approached Ishikawa with the intention of starting a new studio under Production IG to allow more creative freedoms and faster production processes than were available at IG itself. In June 2012, WIT Studios was founded, with the first production being none other than Attack on Titan. That was their first show that they did. And they Bit of a are misfire direct. for them. <laughs> yeah, real fuck up there. My guys, what are you thinking? And that's how Whip was begun. They began as a subsidiary of production IG. But just a quick run through of the animes on this one, then I'll just do Wit real quick. But Ghost in the Shell, Blood Plus, Ghost Hound, Guilty Crown, Kuroko No Basket, The Prince of Tennis, Psycho Pass, Ace of the Diamond, which I did with Madhouse, Haikyuu, Joker Game, Legend of the Galactic Heroes, the remake. Fully Cooley, Progressive, Fully Cooley Alternative, Run With The Wind, Psychopath 3, Noblesse, Moriarty the Patriot, and upcoming Fenner and the Pirate Princess. They also did both Neon Genesis films, Death and Rebirth with Gainax, and The End of Evangelion with Gainax. They also did the Kill Bill Volume 1 anime sequence. Oh, that was awesome. That was them, yeah. yeah. Also made games, as I said before, they made the whole Tales series, Grandia, Tekken 3, all the cutscenes, Xenogears, all the cutscenes, Wild Arms, as I said, Fire Emblem, Path of Radiance, all the cutscenes, and Radiant Dawn, 
Persona 5, all the cutscenes. Finally. Yes. My favorite game. <laughs> and all the Star Oceans. So that is how Star they Star sick. Yeah. That's all production IG. Those guys are dope and also have in-house staff and also can work on their own production committees. So I'm just going to quickly give you WIT. As I said, they are the subsidiary of production IG, but founded in 2012 by the producers from IG and are a subsidiary of IG Port, the parent company. So production IG, George Wada serves as the president and Tetsuya Nakate as a producer and production IG is the studio director. So several other former staff of IG members joined WIT after its founding, including director Tetsuro Araki, who's ex-Madhouse, and he actually worked on Death Note, High School of the Dead, Guilty Crown, and obviously Attack on Titan, and animation directors Kyoji Asano and Satoshi Kotakawa, all of whom worked on the first three seasons of Attack on Titan. WIT was founded with an initial investment of 30 million yen in capital from IG Port. Wada and Nakate also reported to own in three of them, IG Port 66%, those two 21.6 and 10% respectively. So Wit has quickly become one of the top studios for most anime fans. Like unlike Madhouse or JC Staff, which we'll talk about soon, or even Mappa, it seems to be very picky about the projects it takes on, therefore ensuring incredible quality. There are many questions raised about the studio's future when it relinquished its claim on Attack on Titan Season 4. There's a lot of questions when that happened. But that seems to have spared their staff the hellish schedule, which they passed on to Mappa. But of course, it put them on the map because, my God, imagine your first show being Attack on Titan. That is such a flex. Like, that is what are they currently producing? Kind of well, they're doing originals. They're doing originals. So right now, as we mentioned in our spring episode, they're doing VV Fluoride Eye oh, Song. yes, yes. They also God, did, that looks good. It's incredible. They also did The Great Pretender. Last mm, year, which is huge, great, fucking amazing. That's Netflix. why they let it go. And they also did Vinland Saga. Yeah. Oh, people fucking love that. It's amazing. I haven't watched it's it yet. Amazing. It. It's so fucking good. It's so fucking good. And they did that all after relinquishing Attack on Titan, which was killing the studio. Because again, not like not unlike Mappa, those production schedules were fucked up. But they did it because it was their first show, you know. And it's now put them right on the map. They also did the Ancient Magus Bride, Seraph of the End, and After the Rain. Mm -hmm. And they're about to do. They've also signed a deal with Netflix, and they're about to do Vampire in the Garden, which is going to be a Netflix show coming out later this year, two thousand twenty-one. About a vampire in a garden. I believe so. I believe it's in the title. So wow. this is the thing. Yeah, that's a co-pro that's coming out in October, and Netflix has signed deals, as I said before, with a whole bunch of other people, and it's becoming a big player in the game. A lot of people thinking that Netflix might actually be a semi-savior of the anime industry, but I worry that it's just going to contribute and join production committees and be like, cool, free money. That's, you know, why wouldn't they? I don't know if, I mean, yes, they are offering new things to different companies. And the fact that they're actually essentially being a production committee themselves directly to animation houses is very good. It's interesting, Sam. It's a bit of a change of tune when you called it Netflix jail. Well, there is Netflix jail. There that is. exists. Oh, there is. <laughs> it's yeah. the same yeah. Still waiting for Shaman Kings. Yeah, yeah. We're still waiting for Shaman King because what they do is they take it on and you can't get anywhere else and they like to release everything at once. Therefore, when everything else is airing, you've got it in Netflix jail, which means that they're waiting to drop it at some random time and you don't get it for a long time when it's already been made. All right. So that's frustrating. But that's Studio Wit. We all love Studio Wit. They are fantastic. They seem to be the new studio which are actually taking on projects on a passion basis. And especially, as I said before, anime originals are directors' passion projects. So as a result, Wit are great. We love Wit. Check them out. All right, going to jump in quickly, really quickly, and talk about Studio Bones. Huge, huge studio. Oh, tell me about Studio Bones. I would tell you I feel about. like they've got some, some, just some, good some one. anime couple, that we might like. Couple. First, I just want to say that their uh, founders were Masahiko Minami, Hiroshi Osaka, Toshihiro Kamamoto, um, and they also formed that in October 1998, so another Libran anime house. Yeah. Um, like me. Also, 1998, <laughs> big year. Huge for forming anime houses. 
Uh, but yeah, so they basically, <laughs> so they basically, uh, they were all former Sunrise stuff. Yeah. So Sunrise, all I got to say to you is Cowboy Bebop. That's all you have yes. to know about Sunrise, and then you're, you're good. We didn't, mm-hmm. we didn't decide to research it. But the model, basically, here's some shows that Bones do. Some like you know random cute things. <laughs> Wolf's Rain, Eureka Seven, Angelic Layer, Darker Than Black, Soul Eater, Oran High School Host Club, Ooh. both adaptations of Full Metal Alchemist, yes. so FMA and then FMA Brotherhood, Star Driver, Gosik, Mob Psycho One Hundred, Space Dandy, Skate, The Infinity, Origami, and of course My Hero Academia. Huge. Um, huge man! Is that, this is a big one. This big boy studio. Basically, they have the same system as Sunrise had, which I found I didn't know this until I started researching. It's pretty cool. But the way that they do it is they have got five studios within this one studio that yes. work on different shows dedicated. So Studio A, which is led by the producer Naoki Yamano, is mainly known for Ghostic Wolf's Rain, Angelic Layer, Carol and Tuesday, Ooh, which is a new one. So yeah. uh, Studio B is known for working on Eureka Seven, uh, Space Dandy, and most recently, Mob Psycho 100. Mm-hmm. Studio C, which is also a drama studio at WAPA, anyway, um, <laughs> led by producer Yoshihiro Oyabu, is known for the original Full Metal Alchemist, yep. Darker Than Black, mm. Soul Eater, Oran High School Host Club, and it literally, Studio C just works exclusively on My Hero Academia. Fuck. So they just do that, which wow. makes sense. It's one of the biggest shows in the world, Ooh, actually. Yeah. It's huge. They, and that's why, honestly, My Hero Academia content, is beautiful. It's dope. It always looks good. There's it no does. like, it's a shonen, so it could have gone the same way. And I'll talk about that in a second. Same way as like Black Clover, Naruto, that kind of thing, because it could has that much source material, has all those tropes, but it's in Studio Bones, so it has a similar treatment to Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, I would say, mm-hmm. in the way it's animated, which is sick. Studio D is read led by Mari Suizaki, and um, that was where they did Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, so that's pretty good. Oh now yeah. It's, now it's dedicated to Bungo Stray Dogs. Ooh, great and show. Escape the Infinity. So all I'll say is uh, I knew I liked that show. Yes. I knew I had. And um, Studio E is the newest one they've just actually made because there's a new – basically one of the founders died, passed mm. away, and then it was replaced by one of the head animators, Makoto Wantanabe, who is mm-hmm. not, not the Wantanabe we were referencing before, nope. different Wantanabe, but still prolific. But they're actually dedicating this entire studio to working on all the Eureka 7 new films they're Ooh. doing. So it's interesting they've got like full studios – Working on just like I love that they've just got one studio dedicated to My Hero Academia. It's incredible. And like the difference between that and Mappa. Yeah, bones are out of control. Like, yeah, they, again, they're taking on a lot of work, but they have the capacity to deliver it. Yep. So that's that's sort of how that how that rolls. In fact, the creator of Skate was working at Mappa and then took her idea for Skate to Bones. And Bones knew a good idea when they saw. Wait, is it Matador of Love? <laughs> Let's fast track this as a production. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get it in here. Um, well, interestingly, I'll just do my last one that I researched, yeah, yeah. which is I think I've been pronouncing this wrong my whole fucking life. It's so embarrassing. But I was saying Studio Perio. Mm-hmm. I think it might actually just be Piro. Yeah, I think it is Piro, yeah. Oh, Sam, God, <laughs> brought shame upon the family. <laughs> get cast the out! <laughs> Studio Piero, um, which, you know what, like, say we will, it's the earliest established one on my list, mm-hmm. uh, May 1979. Hey, well, Madhouse 72, but, yeah, that's the second. Uh, it's got a baby at everything. Fucking hell, Sam, let it go. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I don't know. It's like, actually Piero. <laughs> uh, um, but, you know what? They were former employees of um, Satsunoko Production and Uchi Production. And all I will say is that you might know some of the shows they've done, uh, such as Naruto, Bleach, Yu Yu Hakusho, Black Clover, Baruto, Tokyo Ghoul, and Great Teacher Onizaka. Oof. Most recently, they've done an anime original, Akadama Drive. Yes. And weirdly, they're outsourced for Western animation, as in they were doing Avatar Legend of Korra animation. Oh. 
I did oh, not know that. Know that either. Interesting. Great, great wow. good times. So all I'll say is I'd like to thank Studio Piero for ruining my life, <laughs> my love for shonen anime. But as that list suggests, these guys are known for just doing all of the shonens, all the magical girls, all of that stuff. They are more known for doing not seasonal anime. We talked about this before. There's mm. seasonal anime, mm-hmm. which is obviously runs in seasons and yep. they have like time, whereas um, weekly anime, which is like the old system. Old school, yeah. Piero is doing. Yeah. Still Black Clover, um, yeah. They're still doing it. But Black Clover and like the thing is that, that draws a lot of criticism because yes. – as we've talked about with the Big Three episode, where we really basically talked about this studio when we did the Big Three episode because yeah. the only one not was um, One, one piece, piece. It's yeah. done by a similar system though. Mm-hmm. It's funny because fillers were really what ruined everything. They caught up to the source material. They just kind of weighed around as all shit and like, you know, it's kind of, you know, they have to produce weekly content. So it's way more time pressure, way more of a turnover. They can catch up really quickly. Black Clover really setting actually an amazing, this is unheard of, to just stop it and say we're just going to wait until yeah. the source material catches up and then we're going to do it again. Amazing. And that's unheard of for this particular studio. So, like, you know, character growth, we love it. Thank you. <laughs> um, but also, yeah, look, I mean, I'm sure the work – I mean, I just know in my heart the working conditions here are probably not great. They do yeah. probably out of every list I looked up, triple the amount yeah. Yeah, yeah. of stuff. Yeah. And, and every continuously, week. every yeah. week. But when they're on, they are on. Like, also, you, Hakashu, that animation is so stunning. Dope. And, like, yeah. So, dope. so, I'm just like, they've done some really good stuff. They've done some not so good stuff. I mean, people might never forgive them for Tokyo Ghoul. One of the worst adaptations in, like, in anime history. Yeah. And widely regarded manga, just butchered by the adaptation. Yeah. And yeah. it was it was bad. And it's people terrible. maybe don't want to forgive that. People also hate Baruto. Um, yeah. Only because they just hate the idea of Baruto, but yeah. they still watch it. So like, stop watching it. Yeah, yeah. give it up, man. I don't. I don't watch it. I, I watch it to. just for like Naruto. So I'm like, how's his marriage going? <laughs> You're not a best girl. Yeah, obviously. It's just not. No one's a best girl in Naruto. <laughs> Doesn't exist. Some <laughs> worst representation. Uh, anyway, sorry. But Graham, why don't you finish us off? I'm just thinking about Baruto. <laughs> <laughs> And Naruto. Um, <laughs> yeah, so my last one, I'm not going to be that long, is uh, JC Staff. Yes. Established in 1986 by uh, Tomoyuki Mayata. Uh, Madhouse was actually before that. So. <laughs> before oh, you shit. get ahead of yourself. Well, that just that makes all of this irrelevant. <laughs> Redundant now. I want to hear about JC Staff, man. Well, good night, everybody. <laughs> Some of the anime you might know, Saiki Kusuo no Sainan. Don't know what that is, but apparently it was very high on the list. Food Wars, which has, which will is probably the best sort of looking food ever animated. Oh, it's incredible! Along with uh, Miyazaki's work, yes, absolutely. Oh yeah, Miyazaki, yeah, one of the best. Yes, (laughs) it just makes me hungry every time I watch it. Yeah, Revolutionary Girl Utena. Yes, work. Fucking love it. Yeah, they also did one of my sort of. It's a guilty pleasure, but I I love it. Uh, Konosuba. Yes, yes, Konosuba's Um, great. Fuck, I love Konosuba. It's a guy. Good shit. Get a little bit etchy some places, but yes. really wholesome in others. And so does Food Wars. Oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> food Wars is People food are just wars. jizzing over casserole. <laughs> Wait a minute. I didn't say right. Over <laughs> casserole. That's not a recipe, by the way. That's just... Um, yeah, I love Konosuba. I think it's it's great. It looks great. Great characters. They also did One Punch Man Season 2. Yes. This is why Sam hasn't we, This is why I fucking hate JC staff, man. Oh, this is the entire thing, right? I, I as I said, I haven't watched it, but I like what I did, the animation dropped off sharply. Yes. Well, they um, have a certain reputation, JC staff. Well, tell us more, because right. you clearly have the research that I don't. <laughs> well, again, like most, the big problem with JC staff is again, they bite off way more than they can chew. Very famous for taking on tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of projects and and kind of fucking them up. And that's the big thing. Again, they're they're another 
victim of the system, I suppose. But like the way that they operate is just by taking on as many anime as they possibly can. Sometimes they're really good, like Konosuba, like Food Wars, like when they actually manage to nail it. But a lot of the times, the skeleton crew getting pushed to the brink and we get One Punch Man season two. And that's a major problem with that studio. I mean, it might come down to the fact that they are another like production studio that does outsourcing they take in projects yes so like just going down the list here of what they've got like code gears finishing mm. animation cowboy bebop finishing animation darling in the franks the list goes up fairy tale fate zero flc well fully cooling cooling full metal alchemist in between and finishing animation like it's the list just goes on it's like i think i heard some scrolling uh <laughs> yeah. my hero re-zero like just finishing taking on other yeah, that's their productions. Thing. That's their thing. They're kind of the guys that finish stuff and they're kind of like the backup studio in a way and they have their mm-hmm. own things as well. But again, just another another studio who just fall into the trap of just trying to take as many projects on as possible to stay afloat. Yeah, just got to keep working, pumping it out. It's Rather than a- doing four good shows, they'll do exactly. a Ten. thousand average. Well, not even that. They've got some good shows there. Yeah, but- absolutely. But, you know, they'll do, say they do seven shows in a year. Three of them are good and four of them suck. Like, and that's just the problem. And it's a major problem across the whole industry. That's why I wanted to bring JC stuff in there. Was Code Geass Sunrise? Yeah. We should have done Sunrise. A couple of ones, Trigger, Studio Trigger. Yes. And Sunrise are two massive ones we didn't really get into. Yes. But you know what? David Productions as well. Huge. There are so many, but again, we've only got so much time. And speaking of which, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. We just wanted to bring you how an anime is made, talk about some of the major problems in the industry, and also just let you know how it works. And tell you about the big studios because it's important if you're becoming more of an anime fan it's an important thing to get to learn if you want to go and look up some sakuga guys and follow them from anime house to animation house go do it it's a great youtube rabbit hole to go under and look guys thank you so much that thank was you. a lot of fun great interesting truly are the dan carling of gateway to anime <laughs> <laughs> like, but yeah. who's the king oh <laughs> Or the god. We, we got a god. This oh, there's a god in there today. Oh, it's, Gerald. God, god. it's Gerald. <laughs> it's Gerald. It is Gerald. <laughs> Gerald. Gerald. <laughs> Y'all, thanks so much for joining us, everyone. Really appreciate it. Catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.